High Performance Podcast, where we share with you the stories, tips, tricks, and strategies of motocross and off-road racers, health and fitness experts, and everyone in between who has an inspiring story to share. This week on the podcast, we've got Josh Strang, who's an Australian off-road racer. He's kind of probably, I guess you'd say, he's flown under the radar a little bit um, in terms of his exposure, but he is one of the best Aussie off-road racers, and he's made a career for himself in what I would regard to be the toughest off-road series in the world, which is the GNCC series in America. So really cool chat. I love this one. I was really excited to have him on. And we got through some really cool content. He shares some pretty, pretty cool stuff with us. A uh, few takeaways for me was, firstly, how he keeps fresh, how he keeps coming back, is because he genuinely loves riding, genuinely has fun riding, and he enjoys the process of training. So it's not like a job to him. He's going out, having fun every day, training, riding on his bike. And then another little takeaway which he chats about is actually training with purpose. So that's super important like you can i guess like more isn't necessarily better more is only more it's only better if it's done with intent so you can be going out there just doing more volume doing more volume more of the same more of the same and essentially all you're really doing is burning more calories if it doesn't have necessarily have a purpose behind it so that's something he touches on which he's had some some great results in his training with this year and then another little cool little nugget I took away is just using some logic when it comes to you, to your nutrition. So you'll get to hear Strangy's, um, I guess, approach in here with his nutrition. But like he kind of says, just use some logic. Like there's a lot of crazy shit out there these days. That's it's it's good in a way. We've got like when I was a kid, we didn't have the internet. You didn't have Facebook and Instagram. Now you do. So you've got you've got information, there's information out there, but does it actually make logical sense to you? Because there's a lot of people out there trying a lot of crazy shit, and that's the thing with nutrition is you're different to me, and we're different to the next person, so what works for us won't necessarily work for you, so it's a a lot about trial and error, but when you think about it, ask yourself that question, does it actually make sense, this way of eating or this approach that I'm gonna take with my nutrition, does this actually make sense logically to me? Ask yourself that question with nutrition because like he touches on in, he has a lot of people doing some crazy shit out there. So I really love this chat. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I'll get straight into the content and I would love it if you guys could subscribe to the podcast, give it a review if you, if you, if you liked it and share it around with someone who you think would um, benefit from listening to it too, that'd mean the world to me. So without further ado, here we go, get into the content. This week on the podcast, pretty pumped to have Josh Strang on board. He's a professional Aussie off-road racer who's made a career for himself in what I would consider to be the toughest off-road series in the, in the world, I guess, the GNCC in the States. Welcome to the podcast, Strangy. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Cool. So I thought we'd start off, man, where things are right now for you. So you're on a new team, new bike. How's that path unfolding this year? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been good. So I was on uh, I was on Husky for four years, I think, the last four years. And it, 
for me, it was just, I mean, I'm 30 now, so I've got a wife and a kid and it was just getting stale where I was at. Um, I wasn't really getting, I was still getting along with everyone on the team, but it was just, uh, it just wasn't as fun. I wasn't having as much fun racing as what I, what I was when I first started there and what I was before I moved, moved to the team. So, um, when the opportunity to come that came up to switch to the Kawasaki with their new bike and that it was, uh, uh, the people that were going to the team and the, the people I talked to who were, were involved with Kawasaki. I mean, they were, they were all about it. And, um, I don't know. It just seemed like a good, a good change. It was time for a change. And it was a, for me, it was going to be a good change, uh, being on Kawasaki when I was at home for, for years. Um, just, just being able to go back, it was kind of, it was just a relief, man. And, and from, from the first time I rode the bike, I mean, I was real impressed with it. And now, and now having, uh, having enough time on it to get ready to go racing. It's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped that, that I made the switch and everything's going good. Yeah. Awesome. Cause I was going to say that you did spend a bit of time on the Cowies back in the day, didn't you? Yeah. I was, uh, I was on it from, well, KX60. Yeah. So 96, well, probably early in that, probably 95 through to, uh, through to about, or to 2006 when I left, left Australia. So uh, yeah. there's a couple of years there. I think I was on a Suzuki and an RM80 and one, one year I had a Husky 125, but, uh, I mean, other than that, it was Kawasaki all the way through till I left. So, uh, I mean, obviously the bikes have changed like majorly since uh, 2006 when I left, but it's just the, the brand and the, the way the bike feels. I mean, I, as soon as I got back on the bike, it, it was almost like I, I, uh, I knew what it was going to do and how it felt. Uh, so it, it, there was no, no real strange feelings when I got on it. It was, uh, it was good. Yeah, I've heard heard good things about them, the new cowies. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm impressed. So, uh, I'm not trying to sell. Like, sure, I'm trying to sell the bike, but I, <laughs> like, it's it's a good bike and it worked. Like, I was riding this in stock in uh, straight out of the box. I was riding it for quite a while, and I was. I mean, I could have left it like that if I was just just riding local races and that sort of stuff. Um, it was working fine for me. Yeah, nice. How do you find, like in that style of racing, obviously when you started, you you would have been on two strokes, right? Back in the day. Yeah. How do, so you, find I, the, how do you find the 450? Do you think it's a better bike for the job? Or? Well, I only rode 252 stroke for one year. So 2007, yeah. uh, when I first came over, that they had the 250 and then the Suzuki came out with the 450. So yeah. I, I was only on a two stroke for one year over here. And I think that straight away the 450s were better. Uh, yeah, and I mean for me, it, the, I would never ride anything else. I tried a three fifty there the first year uh, at Husky, and it was no good. It just for me, I was so used to riding a four fifty and how the power worked. The bike mm-hmm. just had didn't have power where I wanted it to have power, and it and it would uh, it just didn't. I didn't ride the bike how it was supposed to be ridden. So, yeah. uh, uh, so I mean, a four fifty for me would will be the the is the ideal bike um, for race for any style of racing really, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your off season, man. Like obviously you can correct me if I got these numbers wrong, but I think you, this would be going on your 12th year over there. Is it close to? Yeah. Something like that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's freaking <laughs> so long time now. How, how do you keep things fresh, man? Like keep coming back and staying motivated each year. 
Um, I don't. Well, I mean, for I spoke, I said something about a minute ago. The uh, like the new new team switch is is definitely kept it fresh. But uh, I don't know. I still enjoy riding. Like I I enjoy. I sometimes enjoy the the training and and getting ready to race side of things more than the actual racing. I mean, because I like. I think we'll get to it down the further along in the podcast. But I I like putting in the work and I I really enjoy training uh, and getting ready to go racing. So I think that ke- that's what keeps it fun for me. And I mean, it's I'm not going to lie. It's a good lifestyle. Like <laughs> it's not nine to five. It's, it's uh, I mean, sure. I feel there's the nine to five job is you worry about work from nine to five, Monday to Friday. And then any other time you're not at work, you don't have to worry about it where you race a motorcycle, you won't, you, you think about it 24 seven, like you never get a break. So there is differences. And I mean, sure. Some people will say it's not really a job and, and I'll, I'll agree with them for the most part, but at the same time, it's, it's a, it is a full-time job and it's hard work. So uh, I think I just enjoy it. I, I still enjoy doing it. I still enjoy riding a motorcycle and racing it. And I think that makes it, makes it easy to keep coming back. Uh, I know I'm getting older, so to keep, I think the fitness side of things for me is not so difficult to keep keep up, but it's more uh, keeping the speed and keeping up with the younger kids coming through uh, that I have to work on more now is uh, more bike, um, I guess bike speed or bike mm. um, technique or something like that to keep up with the kids or the younger guys that are trying to come up and, and do well as well. That's, a, that's the hardest thing to do and, and keep my body fresh and, and not sore. I mean, there's, I got, I shattered my heel and at the sixth day a couple of years ago and it still yeah. gives me, it still gives me shitty days. And, um, and then I just like, I get sore knees sometimes and just, but I mean, like you said, I've done it this, my 12th season at GCC and it's, it is a difficult series. Uh, and I, I don't know, just, I mean, yeah, I just keep coming. I don't know why I keep coming back. I guess I love it. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, well, you can tell, like, you tell you, obviously, and I think that's half the battle. If you're having fun doing what you're doing, enjoying your race, and then that's, you're most of the way there, right? Yeah, that's, and that's what I, like, growing up, riding, going racing with dad and that, I think, if I was never, if I was never, ever going racing and not enjoying it, then there was no point going. I mean, I could make a living, but I'm not getting rich off it. Like, I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna be a millionaire off it, so it's, yeah. It is. It's hard work, and I could almost go and do a nine to five job easier and and less stress than than going racing. So I think as long as I'm enjoying it and um, getting paid, I'll keep doing it as long as I can. Yeah, awesome. So if we sort of take it back to the start when you first headed over to the states, where did that motivation sort of come from? Was it something as a kid that? you sort of, I guess, dreamt of, like you wanted to get to the GNCC or did it just sort of fall into place with guys like GK, when Carney helping you out? Yeah, yeah, it kind of fell into place a little bit. Um, my, From what I remember, my original, I mean, I I don't think I realised, really wanted to go race overseas until, I guess, till Reedy. Because Reedy was the real, the first big, big guy, like big guy to really make, like be in the magazines, like, over and over month after month. And I think, I mean, Watsy was in the magazines a little bit, but he really was like this, like a star and people were pumped to, uh, 
pumped to read about what he did and how he's doing and that sort of stuff. And I followed him a lot. And I think about that time was when I wanted to go, I was still racing motocross at home and I wanted to, that's why I wanted to go to Europe and race GPs like uh, motocross GP. And that's yeah. what I, I think that was my first real goal was to do that. And, and I, I just don't know. I just didn't have it. I don't think at, at the motocross thing. And um, I tried a couple of years in the, uh, nationals at home and I did okay the 250 class I didn't do any good and then in the 450 class I did okay but still we never did a full season to to get good results and there was just too many too many other motocross guys that were still doing well and getting paid so I don't think I ever would have been able to make it and uh when I was on an 80 I was still doing enduro stuff so uh when I went back to did some off-road stuff in Australia and then realized that I could make a living doing that. Um, I think GK had been in the U S for a year or two and I realized that that could be a possibility. So, uh, uh, I think it was, I was, he came home for the summer break and I got in touch with him and then I went over after the summer break and hung out with him and, and borrowed one of his practice bikes and went and did two races and, and that was it. That was it since. So he, GK was a big, a massive, um, I guess, influence and a big, uh, I, get, I don't know, you'd call it a, a factor in me getting a ride. Um, from what I understand, it was like they, they had two guys to choose from and, and I, I was one of them. The other guy was, he actually lives half an hour from me now, I think. And I'm not sure why they chose me, but they did. And I think it was partly um, Glenn, Glenn had an influence on the team manager and the, his mechanic, I think also influenced it. So, I mean, it was, it was, uh, I mean, definitely, definitely he had a part, something to do with me getting over here. Yeah, for sure. Oh, in one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. A couple of beers, you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously when you first went over there though, I think, did you do a couple of practice races the year before? Like obviously you had to show a bit of speed to, to get that right. Yeah, well, that, I think that was it. So we went out, I came over in 06 and did two races. Uh, yeah, two races. And I, I was originally, I was going to do it on a Kawasaki, but Glenn organized me one of his practice bikes. So we did that. And I think he, he probably, I think he came over when he was trying to get over here as well and did a couple in like 04, 03 or something. So he knew what it was like and what I would, I'm guessing what it would be like for me. And I think I remember him telling me the first one I did, he just told me to pin it go as fast as I could for as long as I could and then that and then do whatever else after that. And yeah. so I did and I remember I remember I got the whole shot and I was in the two fifty A class or whatever it was. And I got the whole shot and I think I led I led for about half a lap and I went as fast as I could and I was I was ruined. <laughs> like I was screwed. And but I think I had like a thirty or forty second lead. So I think I showed the speed because they were the guys that the, the Suzuki team were looking at. So I showed I had enough speed and then uh, I think they, I mean, if you have the speed, you can work on everything else. So, mm. uh, And the next race we did was probably, it's still probably one of the muddiest ones I've done. And I did, I did decent at it. So I think, um, I think the speed at the first one and then being able to ride in the mud, uh, the second one definitely helped me help my chances in, in getting a ride too. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, like, tell us a bit at the start, 
how much of a shock to the system was it or how much of a difference is the level of racing like compared to Australia when you go over there to the GNCC? Like, I assume, I assume it's just like a three-hour motocross race, it looks like, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, the, yeah it's, it's weird, man. The, it's changed. It, since I've been here, even, it's changed. And I know, like, when, when Glenn had came, when he first came over to when he left, it had changed for him as well. So it's always changing, and it still is. Um, but when I first came, it was – when I, when I came for those first two, I didn't really, I don't think I really took much notice cause there was, I was more interested in the, the trucks and all the people and, and the track and all that sort of stuff. But when I came over for the first race in, uh, in 2007, it was like, I forget, I, re, I really forget. I know I was, I knew I was in the shit cause I think, uh, that, that was the first year they had the XC2 class. And I think, like, by the second lap, those guys were already catching me. Yeah. And I, I didn't do – I think – like, I think it was, like, 17th overall, which isn't terrible for my first race, first real race. But, it, I mean, I was – I think I was a little bit, uh, not, I guess, upset with the result just because I thought I was probably decent and I really wasn't that good. And that was in the sand. And, um, yeah, I got – there was the first, the first few races I really struggled and like I was, I mean, it was difficult, but I think by the end of the first year I was over here, I started to get used to it and uh, got used to the long races. And I think that helped a lot. Yeah. So had you done much like three hour style races? Cause I don't really have that many yeah. of them in the Aussie off roads. Nah, they have, they didn't have any back then. Yeah, right. They had the only ones I'd ever done was they had the Northern Inland Pony Express series, and they they were four hour Ironmans, but the tracks track didn't get rough. Like the, the GNCC gets rougher down the pit straight than, <laughs> than the whole track at a at a Pony Express did. So it, that they were the only ones I'd ever done, and you, I think some I was I think some of that stuff was would be borderline. I don't know, tra- almost trail riding. Yeah, um, yeah, especially how smooth it is. You you could ride that stuff all day. You'd get bored before you got wore out. Yeah. So uh, I mean, good. Like they were good tracks back then, but I just they just didn't get. They just weren't like it. So that was the only stuff, only ex- experience I'd had at doing anything long like that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, like, obviously, it takes a fair bit of mental tough. Anyone that's done a three hour knows how much mental toughness it takes to push yourself at the end so do you think something that's something that was instilled into you as a kid or do you i guess being over there hanging out with gk and those guys training with and that just built up yeah i think it builds up but there's it still it doesn't matter there's some people that still can't that can never figure the the final hour out i think two hours is not such so bad but yeah it's that third hour and i don't know if it's it mental toughness or what it is but you block out the fatigue which i guess is mental and or something like that and i think maybe maybe i did have it growing up i'd feel like <laughs> my parents didn't baby me too much i mean i got i wasn't i wasn't i didn't have a hard childhood that's for sure but i mean i feel yeah. like i i did like i had to do my chores and i did did like mow de grass did jobs around the house i think that that helped that kind of stuff where people now i don't think do that all that much and um so i don't know man it's uh 
maybe maybe growing up I got it, but definitely like hanging out with GK, he's a hard he's a hard man. <laughs> so like just some of the stories, man. Some of the stories about him, he's what just just that's all he is. He's just tough, and and uh, and maybe hanging out with him, it did rub off a little bit. But uh, it yeah, it's uh, I don't I don't I don't know. That's a hard question. The yeah, I I really don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's rubbed off, but I feel I feel that th- that's one that has been one of my uh, <clears throat> strengths in the yeah. like. While I've been over here, is the last. It once when the times get tough, I can. I feel like I can uh, step step up or stay steady and and finish it out. Where some other people will either crack and crash or or just quit. And uh, I feel like that's where I can do better and 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 it's helped. It's worked for me in the past. Yeah, because that that's one of the things I was going to ask you about. My- I went back through your posts and I couldn't find it, but I reckon it was around about this time last year. I'm pretty sure it was the second round of the season last year. I think you got a podium, second or third, but you put up a post saying how you pushed that hard at the end. You were fully dehydrated, uh, yeah. spewing in the yeah. car on the way yeah, home. Yeah. Now, I assume that's not from lack of preparation in someone like your case. You've pushed yourself to that level so what's like going on inside your head when you're pushing yourself to that extent yeah i, I don't know well so that ha- that doesn't happen just to me that happens to a lot of guys there's a yeah. lot of um a lot of us do have get those stomach cr- like dehydration cramps and it's i don't know that it's all that healthy for us <laughs> <laughs> but, but like yeah that so that race was uh I think it might have been the third round last year, and I—I I don't think I got a podium. I was close on the last lap, and I ended up having a—I think a fairly big crash. Yeah, and right. once once I crashed, I realized I was ruined. Like I realized how wore out I was. Where if I didn't crash, then maybe I might have been all right. Mm. But yeah, so that race was—I uh, don't know why that one was so hard because it wasn't even that hard. It was still fairly early in the year. Um, but yeah, I think I just pushed the. It had been it'd probably been a long time since I'd been at the front, and I was at the front, and I probably got excited, so I pushed hard and didn't even realize that I'd gone into into shutdown mode or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was that one was bad. I I can't yeah I remember spewing in um, a restaurant toilet in the, on the way home, and the wife had to drive. Oh, I think my dad was over with me too, so yeah, that was a rough one. And then the other one. There was another one I had. Uh, I had to get an IV last year. Uh, it was closer to summer, and yep. uh, coming in, I crossed the finish line, and I was dry even uh, over the finish line. So I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think we'd realise that you go into that. Um, I don't think. We, yeah, I don't think we realise that happens until after we're done, and and you sit down and get to have a break and realise that you. Dehydrated and and uh, and not feeling all that good. Yeah, for sure. Because I assume you'd be pretty onto your hydration, etc. In those situations, just a matter yeah. of actually remembering to get it in, I suppose. Yeah, for the most part, like I think the biggest thing for us is the lead up to the race. Um, drinking enough fluids, like the four or five days prior to the event, because you can't get it all. You can't get enough of it in in 
like Friday or Saturday or whatever. So uh, it's the lead up from, well, I mean, normally I would start to, to, I'd really start to take notice of what I was drinking from Monday before the race, uh, make sure I was drinking enough. So uh, I think in the past I've drank too much water and not enough electrolytes or whatever, whatever, whatever extra that you want to put in. I've drank too much water and not enough of the other stuff uh, where now I think I've got it fairly good and I drink less water, but I stay hydrated the whole time. And then uh, uh, during the race, uh, there's some people that don't drink anything, but I got to drink, I think my camelback's two liters and that'll be, that's all gone at the end of the race for the most part, unless it's fairly cool. Yeah. I'd imagine it would have to be. So there's guys that actually don't drink during the race. They they've got they put one little one liter packs on, but they've still got um, stuff left when they when they're finished. Yeah, so, right. I don't know. Yeah, there's sometimes there's some shady shit uh, going on, so I'm not sure. I know there's some people do get IVs. I I've had IVs after the race. Um, I know people. I know quite a few people get IVs after, and yeah, um, but I, know, I do know some people used to get IVs before as well. So. Oh really? Yeah, it's frowned upon, but the, the technically it's not a technically it's not legal. Uh, yeah. So I and I, I'm not I don't know who does it or if anyone does it in the in the class at the moment, but but I know it's happened in the past. Yeah, yeah. So even like off the bike, man, that I think 2011, 2012, when you'd actually won a championship, then. And you didn't have a factory ride. So you had to <clears throat> bought your own bike, set up your own team. Like even, I guess that takes a bit of mental fortitude as well to do something like that when you could quite easily have put, put your tail between your legs and come back to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So the end of 2011, I <coughs> uh, broke my leg at the last round. And then like two weeks later, we get told that the, that team was closing down or shut, Suzuki had shut down that off-road team. And uh, I don't know that the guy kind of left us. He kind of didn't let anyone know. There was a couple of people that knew, but the, the mechanics didn't know and I didn't know. And so I got, it was so late in the year that there was no, there was nothing left. So I had to, I missed one year at GNCC. I went and did the West Coast stuff for a, a privateer team. And it was okay. I was living out there at the time. So it was fairly easy for me to stay out there and do, do that series. But then at the end of the year, I realized I just didn't want to do the West coast stuff. So I wanted to come back to the East coast. And, uh, I, I can't, honestly, I can't remember now. I was, I was probably looking for something and, and it might've been late again. I'm not real sure. And I ended up getting a sponsorship from uh, Rocky mountain and they pretty much paid all my bills and, and paid me a salary and I just had to figure out bikes and parts and that sort of stuff. And at that stage, <clears throat> I think by that stage it was really late. So I ended up just buying, I bought Kawasaki's actually cause they had the best bonus program. Yeah. Uh, and then we just, we got it. Well, I just figured it out from there. So we had pretty much got the only thing I had to buy really were, uh, were the dirt bikes, which is a pain, but, uh, but for the most part, it was a pretty good, pretty good year to come, come back and do it pretty much all myself, me and my buddy, he was my mechanic. 
we did it all and it was uh ended up being good it was fun um made like good good connections with sponsors and that sort of stuff and it was uh it was good but i didn't want to like i i don't think i've ever wanted to come back to australia to race yet so um i just wanted to keep doing it here and uh keep having a go yeah i did that i did that for two years and then that's when i ended up on uh husky for four and then now where i'm at now kawasaki yeah right awesome so like knowing how important that mental side of it is is there any processes i guess you put in place before the race so your head is in the game and you're good to go no comes comes naturally yeah yeah now now it does and that's probably i mean that's sometimes why why some people lose their edge i guess is because you do you when you do something for so long it's just it's like no not not such a big deal so um and maybe that's what that's what i need to maybe that's what i need to work on to uh, become a little more competitive again is is uh making sure that all my all my stuff squared away when i get get onto the start line and um i don't think i've ever take been to the been to the start line and taken it easy i always feel like i'm fairly i have everything squared away and that sort of stuff but uh uh i don't think there's anything that stands out that i ha- that i do that helps me uh mentally um i think if i'm putting putting the work in during the week i i believe i'm i'm pretty solid once i get to the race on the weekend the, the hard work gets done during the week and, and on your weekends off, um, the, the race is normally the fun part where you get to go and enjoy, enjoy it. And the, the more you've, the harder you've worked or the, the smarter you've worked, the easier the race is, um, for the most part, it should be anyway. Yeah, totally, man. I reckon you're right there. That self-belief comes from knowing you've done the work in the, in with your training, etc. Yeah. Eliminates that self-doubt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that was one other thing, another little story, I suppose, that Tuffy actually shared with me about. <clears throat> he, I guess he shared with me how he believed that your, like, your level of work ethic was above most people he'd ever seen. He shared with me a little story about that last round when you had won the title and yeah. he came over and rode your yeah, yeah. thing. And yeah. you rode another bike, you got a shitty start. Ended up dusting the bike or something in DNF. He said the next day when you got home, he got up in the morning. You were just getting home from a run. Oh like, yeah, cool story, <laughs> cool story, Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't remember that, but that might have been. Yeah, that might have been right. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I how, do remember. How do you how do you go keeping yourself accountable with that? with your training that sort of stuff uh, got, well, do you have a trainer or you just go well, yeah no and train with some mates so yeah i try to train with mates because that's what keeps it fun and that's what, yeah and that's what makes me enjoy the training is because you get to do it with people that are other people that do the same sort of stuff where if you go out and do it by yourself it just i mean you, you're sure you're putting in the work but it's not fun and then that that in the end i believe if you're not having fun racing or training or whatever it's not just not going to work out. So, uh, so I try and keep my training fun and that's what I've done for pretty much since I've been over here. I did everything by myself or not by myself, just train with a, some help from some people as far as program wise goes. But for the most part, it was, 
I learned from GK or um, Rodney Smith uh, when I was, I'd live at his house and we'd do programs that he used to do when he was racing. Uh, and so I just pretty much would remember all this stuff and I'd just add my own or do other stuff each year when we'd go. And there were some years where I was pedaling a lot. Uh, and there were some years where I was going to the gym more than others and somewhere I was riding more. So uh, up until um, probably about November last year, I'd done it all myself. So I've actually just hired a trainer, a coach, trainer, whatever you want to call him, um, mainly for, I guess you would call not not so much for the strength, but for a, to write write me a program so I can be accountable for it, mm. and uh, also to get me a little more uh, more specific training uh, as far as heart rate heart rates go and all that sort of stuff where I where I really didn't know I was going out during the week like Tuffy's story might have been I'm, I just went out for a random run yeah where where it was no benefit to anyone I just thought I was doing the right thing you know so yeah. and that's what I've done in that's what I've been doing in the past I would just I had a the start of the week I'm like I want to ride two or three times a week I want to pedal the days I'm not riding and then I'll gym two or three days somewhere in between there and work on bikes and travel to the race and all that shit and all in the one week. So I'd either be doing too much or too less or just, and it was all, I mean, I did, I did the work. It was just, that's all it was. It was work. There was nothing real specific about it. Yeah. Um, now this year, my program's more, more, more set out and I'm enjoying it. Um, there is some stuff that, isn't so fun, especially the last couple of months. It's been real wet here. So I've been doing a lot of bicycle rides on the trainer. Yeah. And that stuff just gets old. Uh, but I've been doing it and I feel that this year, so far this year, this is the best I've felt in a long time, maybe ever, um, leading up to the start of the season. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So you've been doing more sort of heart rate specific stuff like aerobic based and anaerobic. Based yeah, stuff, so it's, stuff. yeah. Well, so, um, well, I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> it's hard because so two, well, three years ago, I got you. I think you were going to ask about the CrossFit thing. I got into CrossFit. Yeah, then yeah. I got, then I got, well, I got into CrossFit a little bit after being hesitant and making fun of all the CrossFitters. <laughs> as we all do make fun of them too you go try it and i went and tried it and they, and just a group of like it's a group of people that you meet it's like a cool group of people that that enjoy the same shit that i like doing like working out yeah. and having fun working out so i got i got kind of hooked on it and i went i went crossfit mad there for a while i drank the kool-aid and i was doing <laughs> i was going like five or six times a week yeah, um, yeah. And pro and doing it way more than I should have been, and I knew that down the road. Uh, but I was like, I was trying to do RX weights on stuff and just stupid stuff that wasn't good for my motorcycle racing. And once I figured it all out, it's it's been good. So we, I still have the friends, and I still go to CrossFit now, but it's just way less. Instead yeah. of five or six times a week, it's it's two, maybe three, maybe one time time a week so it's mm. it all depends on what the class what the class is uh depends like if it's anything to do with like an overhead squat or a snatch i stay away but uh 
like anything like deadlifts or um, squats, regular squats, or I mean, even power cleans to a certain degree. Um, for the most part, I'll, I'll enjoy doing and I'll go do it. Like I went and did, uh, I went and did the open last week, the 19.1. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I won't do any, I won't do any more because I'm a, I start racing this weekend. So I'll, I won't do any more, but I enjoyed going and doing that because it's, it's like something fun, something different than riding a bicycle or going riding the dirt bike. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, st- I started doing that. And then um, last year I, I uh, added back in more cycling because I love cycling. And there was a couple of years where I'd, that's all I did was just pedal. Yeah. And uh, so last year was a combination of gym and pedal. And I, it, I felt like it worked. And then uh, the two guys, Caleb and Thad, the guys that are winning here, they, they were just doing stuff. I know they weren't working as much as me, but I think they were doing more specific Mm. Uh, more specific stuff that was helping them do good at the races. And that's what I was missing. So I went to this guy, he's actually a cycling coach and he, he's helped me do it all. And it's, we, all the training is based off of power or heart rate. Uh, and then there's a lot more recovery. There's a lot more recovery rides in there and recovery stuff in there that you would think that you need. And uh, it's, it's helped a lot, a lot more than I thought it would have. And, um, we do doing quite a, a fair few interval stuff on the bicycle as well, which has helped as well. So, um, now instead of just tracking my cycling stuff on Strava, we, we, I track everything, yeah. um, from the riding gym and, and the cycling or any type of working out, it's all tracked now. So, uh, he can, he can keep up on it and then he writes the program based on how I feel and, and that sort of stuff. So I think it's really helped and, Hopefully it helps um, this year for the for the race, and I think it will. Yeah, for sure, man. Sounds like you're in the right in the right area for sure. I think it takes a mix, like you say, just doing strength all the time. It's going to help, but you need to have that balance of the cardio, the aerobic base as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you find like when you first started doing CrossFit and you got stronger? Did you notice that did improve things? Yeah, so I would get. Yeah, the made me the bike easier to ride, but I just was. I don't think I was as uh, uh, maybe loose on the bike. Like I was just a little little stiffer or a little tighter or something on the bike. Where now I feel like I'm, I can do, I can turn the bike a lot easier, and maybe just because I'm, because I feel like I got fairly. I got up to uh, I was at like two hundred five, two hundred ten pounds, which is what ninety five close to a hundred kilos maybe. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't like, I wasn't, I'm a big fella anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just got like big, like thick. I got bigger <laughs> arms and a bigger chest and, and I, and I just didn't need that to go racing. And yeah. so, uh, now I feel I'm back down to, uh, close to 190, which is, which is fairly, for me, it's as light as I've been in five years probably. So, uh, I feel good at the moment. Um, and I'm still, I'm still lifting close to the same weight as I was when I was lifting a bunch. I think it just, when you, when you just mix it all up and increase the cardio, I think you, you're still strong, but it just, mm. you've, I've just lost some of that muscle mass and, uh, and it's just more, more, uh, directed towards the racing the dirt bike because what, that's what I get paid to do. So, 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I reckon you're right, man. You don't you don't need that muscle mass to be stronger. Once you've got that bit of it's it's same like once you've got that base there, it's easy to maintain that strength yeah. too. Yeah, and then went I went and did a couple I did a couple of cross or one crossfit competition. And you go there and then you realise how weak you actually are. <laughs> and that you'll never get to the regionals, then you'd just give up on CrossFit CrossFit dreams. So Stick oh. to the dirt bikes. Yeah, yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. So what's like how do you mix that up with your riding like in like what's an average week sort of look like? How many times are you getting out on the bike to keep the riding fitness there too? Uh, so this week, um, it'll be three times this week to ride. And then last week it rained a bit, so it was just two. And it's it never really more, many more than that. Yep. Uh, back in December, January, that was probably a couple of four days a week when just get trying to put time on the new bike, especially put time on the new bike. <clears throat> but I, I think, like I've been doing it for so long, if I get, I, I'm almost, uh, I almost lean towards uh, quality, not quantity, especially when riding the motorcycle because that's some because it's my job. You have to enjoy going, like same thing. You have to enjoy going practicing, <clears throat> and if you're going out four days a week to whatever, if you, I don't know, I don't know who goes rides four days a week, but if <laughs> I went and ride four days a week every week, I'd probably just hang out, hang it up, yeah, because it's not. Like you can't, there's only so many things you can do at the practice track. You can, whether you pound out motos or do sprints or, or play ride is you can only do do all that stuff for so long before it gets so boring that you just want to launch your bike off a cliff. <laughs> and, I mean, it's that's the, just the truth, man. It's like, yeah. it's uh it's like I, I treat when I go practice, I, it's, that's my job. So I'll go tomorrow. I'm going riding at 11. So I'll go, I'm going, getting there at 11. I'll ride till, uh, I think I'm going to do some sprints tomorrow. So I'll ride till 1 or one thirty, and then I'll pack my shit up and I I go home. Like, yeah. you know, like some guys go to the track and they they get there at 9, they get don't leave until 4. Like that's, that's for the hobby, the guys who want to go have fun and talk shit on their bikes, which is good. Mm. But that, like for me, that's my job. So I need, I'm in. Do my, do my work, then I leave, and and I'll come and hang out at my house and and uh, and relax and have fun here, with, whether it's watching TV or hanging out with the wife and kid or the dog or whatever. Um, so that, like that, as far as my riding goes during the week, that's I try and keep it. I do what I have to do um, to help me on the weekend. Yeah, definitely. I think like you kind of mentioned back at the start, that's probably easy from people, for people from the outside looking in, probably only might get to ride on the weekend and think it's a freaking cool job. But when, yeah, you, yeah. when you do got to do it yeah. four days a week, like you yeah. say, definitely want it to, to stay fun. Yeah. And th- I mean, so that's like today, we, today I rode and that was all I had to do that I had on today. So, um, but tomorrow I have a, like an interval session in the morning on the bicycle and then, then I'll go do the sprint. And then when I get back from riding, I got to, I mean, it's, I make it sound like it's just mis- like I'm miserable. I'm not, but this is what I, this is what has to be done. Like I get back from riding and then I got to, I'll have to clean up and prep my practice bike for next week. Cause I'm out of town Thursday night or whatever for the race. Yeah. So it's, 
so it, it's it's non it really is non-stop so uh it's cool to have a plan um and everything yeah yeah for sure so what like you kind of touched on at the start too but now you are getting a bit older what's some sort of recovery stuff you're including now that perhaps you weren't 10 years ago uh a lot more re- a lot more sleep actually so yeah, yeah. which is which is good but uh so i've got i got these air relax boots that i use and I, it's hard, it really is hard to tell a big difference but i feel i feel more uh relaxed and refreshed the next day after i use them um there's that and then i'm eating so they're like a compression boot are they yeah so i think uh yeah. normatec is the big brand but they're yeah. like crazy expensive so yeah the Called, these ones are called air relax and they they help a little bit but not not a great deal but i think if anything at the moment um for me will will help and then uh i said uh, a lot more recovery bicycle rides than than i have done in the past and like like if i if i was to do them on the road you'd almost fall over they're that they're that steady and i mean and at first i was like man these things suck because i'm not like it's not what's it doing, but it actually I feel there's some days when I get on the trainer and I start pedaling, I'm like, man, I'm wore out. And then at the end I feel a lot better. And then next day I feel a lot better, which I believe from, from this, from recovery pedaling or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, which I had things helped a ton, uh, since I've started doing it. And then, uh, also just keep just, just trying to straighten out my food a little bit little more now getting older it's harder to lose weight for one and it just um you just feel so much better when i was like when you're a teenager or when i first came over i could just eat whatever i wanted and it didn't matter like (laughs) you'd still go do the same stuff the next day where today where if i went and ate pizza or whatever or mcdonald's tonight then tomorrow you'd feel like you'd feel like crap and you'd that sort of stuff so i just the my diet's a little better than I'm not, I'm no health freak as far as diets go. I like food, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I feel like the, the stuff that we, my wife and I eat and have made and get made um, is fairly, fairly good. And, and it uh, keeps us feeling better as well. Yeah. Awesome. So is that obviously doing a, a fair amount of training quantity is trying to make sure you're aware of how many calories you are actually eating to try and make sure you're not in too big a deficit on those when you're pumping out big hours. Yeah. So that we, uh, that's what the, my trainer, he was trying to get me to do the, the food, whatever that app's called my fitness pal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. and I was doing that for a little while and it was from what we got, it was, I was about on track. So the bigger days where I was eating more and, uh, yeah. or eating more. If I knew it was going to be a big day, I'd eat more. <clears throat> in the morning and then uh that i'd throw in some extra shakes or whatever um to get the calories up without eating going to getting a craving and going and getting a i don't know a donut or or a chicken sandwich or something you know so and that's helped a bunch and because my for the most part my my food's the same or not the same very similar every day so i don't do the my fitness pal i just go pretty much take similar stuff every day or eat the same stuff every day. Um, twist it around a little bit so it doesn't get too boring. Uh, yeah. And that, 
and it's been pretty good. I feel, uh, I feel fairly good. There's some days where I just get hungry, like, and it's just, and I know it's because like you just you've missed something, like you've forgotten mm-hmm. to bring some food, or maybe what you did bring wasn't enough. Um, but for the most part, it's fairly good, and uh, I feel like I keep on top of that pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So is that something, like you said before, you, you're really mindful of upping your hydration in that week lead up? Is that something that changes your nutrition as well in the lead up to yeah. a three hour? Yeah, so that's what I've, I've always had trouble with, uh, what to eat. So you get you get people telling you, you you have to eat pastas and some people tell you don't eat pastas, eat vegetables and some people <laughs> say don't eat meat because um, it doesn't digest so it's you net you never get a straight answer out of you 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 have i think you always have to listen to someone but don't believe 100 percent of what they have to say <laughs> so i'm never like so i honestly man i would not i would change my my diet a little bit weekly and up to a race but uh not by not drastically like i wouldn't cut out something and at and just eat a gallon full of pasta you know like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out and buy two boxes of pasta and cook it up and eat it two nights before the race or something like that. I would, I may add in, add in some extra rice or something like that uh, a couple of days for a couple of days leading up to the race. But I would, for the most part, my diet stays fairly similar um, to the same. And that, and that's not like if you if you're not eating that stuff every day when you're working, working out harder than you're going to race, why would mm. you eat it the night before the race or whatever? Like, like, yeah. So, yeah. No, I'm, I reckon I'll, you're right for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you like gotta, I say, if, if you're training as much as you are, your nutrition needs to be on point every day anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. So there should be no real point to switch it up all that much <clears throat> if you nah. go to the race. Yeah. And, uh, and that's like, that's the same as, same as, tr- same as training or sleeping or anything. Like you do, you do this stuff during the week, which for the most part is the same or after a couple of days is probably harder than the one day that you go on a race. There's no point in, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, some people are just idiots. So, <laughs> and it's, I, I think I, that's what I enjoy about get, I mean, getting older, I I feel like I've got, I feel like I my the stuff I do is is fairly solid, mm. um, and Get I wish I, yeah yeah, and I would like to do that down the road and help people. But the more young kids I watch come up and get just smothered by mummy and daddy's kisses and hugs, they just like I I just want to strangle someone because <laughs> they just like it's just it's, it's like that's not how you do it. But then I don't know. It's just fun. It's funny. I enjoy doing what I do, and and I have my theories, and other people have theirs. I guess. Yeah, that's right. Everyone has got their theory, man. But I think you're totally right. You're especially with the amount of volume you're doing. If your nutrition is on point throughout the week, you might increase your portion size a little bit, but the actual yeah. foods you eat is going to be the same. Yeah, the same. Food. Yeah. So I mean, on. So Saturday and Sunday, if a GNC, so I do the full gas, which is just a sprint like home, like Australia, this, the sprint series, which is fairly, fairly low. I would say not real difficult as far as, um, 
uh, like you don't have to be super fit to do it. Yeah, that sort exactly. of stuff. Although I I did uh, th- this last race a couple of weeks ago, I wore my heart rate and and uploaded it all the information, and it was actually more intense than I thought it was, which was cool for me to see because I really thought it was not that bad. But when I looked at all the stuff on the computer, it was um, it was more of a work more of a workout for the two days than I thought. But yeah, uh, yeah. but like at a GNCC, I would. Saturday and Sunday, I find myself constantly eating, just constantly eating stuff. So yeah. whether it be um, bars or fruit or um, almost like in between breakfast and lunch, I'm I'm eating the whole time. And I think I just and by the come Sunday morning, I'm I'm full. But you know, like I know I got to eat eat that much food so I can get through the race for the most. For normally, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So you fully loaded up. Yeah. So are you like, do you use gels and that sort of stuff during the race in three hours, or you just got it in your Camelback and? Nah. So I'll, I run a run a mix in my Camelback, and then we have I'll get water bottles because we're allowed to litter over here. So <laughs> <laughs> so we're allowed we we take on water bottles and we just we can just drop them. Uh, so. Normally, I would just put water. I would put a mix in my Camelback, and then then a water bottle. I would grab. But a couple of times last year, I was getting a caffeine mix, and yeah. I was I was getting a, a caffeine mix in the bottles. I was taking, uh, and that seemed to work a little bit. And uh, then I'd also take a gel at gas at our fuel stop. So yeah. one gel, and then maybe a caffeine drink, and then. Uh, the camelback and the water. But when I talked to my buddy or the, the guy who's helping me with the training stuff about, I would show him what I was eating. He, he pointed out how much caffeine I was actually taking in with no nutrients. Yeah. And it, and it was, when you think about it, that was probably, go. that was probably one of the reasons why I was getting massive gut bombs Yeah, for and sure. having my stomach turn inside out, which, but when you, you you got to take uh, like you have to weigh like weigh it out. It's like you can yeah. take caffeine and it might help you for that last twenty five mm. minutes of the race where that's where you, where this is this is your job. So mm. you either get a caffeine hit and can help you to get to the end. Maybe maybe win a race or get a podium, or you can not take the caffeine and and maybe bonk there the last. 25, 30 minutes and be off the podium or fifth place and still feel fairly average at the end. Yeah. So I think sometimes, I mean, that's just part of it. You got to, if you want to do well, sometimes you got to pay the price at the end of the race, whether it be a, a pain in the gut or you shoot yourself or you vomit or whatever, <laughs> you know, so. Um, got to suffer the consequences. Yeah, that's right. And that, I mean, that's again, that's how bad you want it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, is that are you going to still play around with the caffeine and maybe change the dose a bit, or? Yeah. So, well, when I I was just I would just I just put a scoop in and I didn't even look. I didn't even think of it. I was just like, oh, he's a caffeine. Yeah. And so when I did look, I was like, oh shit, that is a lot of caffeine. Yeah. So yeah, I think this year I'll probably I'll probably try maybe maybe half a scoop or not even that, <clears throat> and and that way it'll be watered down more and. And might help me just enough um, 
just give me enough to get through to the end. Balance it out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's all trial and error. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, it is. It, it, you're totally right, man. It, it always is, I think, for everyone. Like, yeah, and well, and every, every, everyone's every, different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And every, every race is a learning experience. And all you can do is kind of go off your last race or your last race that was in similar conditions, I suppose. Just yeah. keep, keep learning, keep applying. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, you go, man. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. I know some people that take. They'll take a, like flat coke, and they'll drink a flat coke, and, I mean, I know Baylor, Stu Baylor. He's a, I don't know. He's, probably. He's not. The, I don't know. Anyway, he takes. <laughs> I think he takes two or three five-hour energies during the race. I don't. Do we have? Do you have five-hour energies at home? No, it sounds lethal oh, though. Yeah, it's like a. It must like ten, be like, 10 Red Bulls in one hit. Yeah, yeah, something crazy like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's just in a little, yeah, it's like a little shot. And you just, yeah. it's called five hour energy. So I don't know what, I don't know what's in it, but I've heard he's ta- he takes like two or three during the course of the, from the start to the finish. It's wild. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, I thought to finish, before we wind up, I thought we might shift gears a little bit. How, and I'd love to ask you because I'm a dad myself, got a couple of boys who are two and six now. You've yeah. got a little tucker now. Yeah. So, how's that changed things for you? Has it changed, I guess, has it helped with motivation? Has it changed your approach in any way? Or, no, I don't, I really don't know. Like, it's, it just put, so we, we plan, well, we, we were ready for it or planned for it and it happened. So, we were happy and yeah. it wasn't like a shock to our, like we weren't shocked that it that we we had a baby we had a baby so um, for us it's exciting I mean I I enjoy looking after him and and uh, taking so today Cameron's still she's a teacher so she's still full time and so yep. she left she leaves early and so I had today that's uh, what's today Tuesday and Thursdays I have the little man yeah and so I work around he work I work him around the schedule so today at like. 9 30 i went and dropped him out the babysitter so i get to look after him for a while and hang out and then i go pick him up when i was done riding so uh i don't know that's to change my approach i think it it puts a lot of things in, in perspective um mm. i told you my time management sucks well it still <laughs> still sucks having a kid but it just it's now now it's just one more thing that you have to uh you have to plan for so you can't, I can't just walk out the door and go to the track. I have to plan to take, take little fella to the babysitter, then come back and then go to the track. So it's just some more stuff that the more planning that, that has to get done. But uh, I think as far as, I mean, he's, he's a happy little fella and it, it makes me a lot happier. And uh, I think me and the wife are just, just having him around. It makes it, makes everything I don't know, just better. And I feel this year, I just, I really feel better, just uh, in a better place than when I have been in the past. And whether that's um, Maverick being like being around or whether it's the new team and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's just, I feel like I'm in a good place now, even though I'm into my 12th season, I still feel like I'm more competitive than ever. ever. Uh, And then having him here is, it makes it even better. Um, to try and do well and 
um, provide for him and my wife. It's, it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, that's cool, man. Like you say that the overall package that contributes a lot to the, to the, how you feel on the bike, obviously. So yeah, if that's, I think that's got a lot to do with it, obviously, like what, what's going on in the rest of your life. You got that. If you're in a happy place there and it's going to be, yeah, things fall into place on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I noticed you said before you actually improved your sleep, which is amazing to hear that now that you are a dad. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I don't wake up. So that's, I got a good, I got a good wife. So she, uh, we, well, the good thing is we go to bed early. So Maverick goes to bed at like uh, 8, 30, 9 o'clock. So around this time he'll, he'll get his nighttime bottle and go to bed. Yeah. And for the most part, he, stay, he sleeps until anywhere from 4.30 to 5.30, which is fairly, that's a fairly good night's sleep for him. He's uh, eight months old. So yeah. um, he's got a few teeth coming in. And that's what, if he wakes up during the night, usually that's why. But uh, for the most part, Cameron, will, she'll wake up and go, uh, go look after him if, he's, if he wakes up when his teeth are hurting or she'll go get him. Um, in the mornings for his morning bottle or whatever. So for the most part, she don't wake me up unless it's a real hard night and he wakes up four or five times and I get woken up. Yeah. And if that happens once, once every few weeks, then I can deal with that. So, uh, and then, I mean, it's like, like we said earlier, I'm, I don't have a nine to five job. So if I need to sleep a little longer in the morning, mm-hmm. I can anyway, but I don't, I'm not, I'm a morning person, so I don't sleep much past seven o'clock as it is so but if i go to bed when she goes at nine nine thirty then that's for me that's plenty of sleep so where before a couple of years ago i mightn't have been going to bed till 10 30 11 and waking up at seven so uh yeah an extra hour or two sleep there is good yeah definitely i think that's your most valuable recovery tool man is is sleep that's for sure yeah and if you can get it when you got kids even better <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. If we have another one, I probably won't. I'll be probably getting less, but we'll see. <laughs> oh, it sounds like you got a good team there. Yeah. So, how yeah, you obviously feel pretty positive about the season then. Sounds like everything's full. Yeah, it's been a bit with him. So he 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 does things a little different, and he, he doesn't have he he didn't have much of an idea how much stuff off road riders and the off road races wear out. How much just stuff we wear out that you would never think people would wear out riding motorcycles. So yeah, there's been a so we have a team manager, a a team, um, I don't know, another guy who's kind of helping run the team and then my mechanic those three guys are fairly they're the three guys that are doing most of the stuff to get the stuff running and uh, I know the two guys that I'm close with have had a couple of run-ins with the team manager just over stuff like that which and that's really the only problem that any of us have had is just trying to get to know each other and uh, uh, and getting stuff ordered and and new sponsors send stuff for the start of the year and that's been the biggest problem uh 
so far. But other than that, man, it's good. It's been really good. Everyone's, um, we've got the bike set up really good and uh, I feel comfortable and confident and I've got a good mechanic. So he's been around for a long time and it's, uh, makes it all easier. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I can't wait to see how the season goes for you. Yeah, well, I hope it, I hope it goes good. I mean, it's, it's really tough to go to be confident or overly confident until you get a couple of races in, you know? So, uh, I, like I said, I feel good. I feel better than I have, um, almost ever as far as off the bike, uh, in shape goes. And then as far as riding wise goes, I feel really good, but you just, you just never know until we go race. So, uh, got a couple of weeks until we find out, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Once you get that first one under the belt, you know where you're at, hey? Yeah. Awesome, man. So is there anywhere, obviously you got your personal Instagram page, is there anywhere people can follow the team as well? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is. Shameless um, plug. Yeah. <laughs> well, so team, so Babbitts, team Babbitts is where, is where you can follow the team on Instagram. Uh, team Babbitts or uh, Babbitts Online is the that's the on that's our main title sponsors at Babbitts Online Shop. The, uh, they have their Instagram, which is Team Babbitts. But then, yeah, just my Instagram and Facebook or whatever, whatever it is. And I try and I like getting on there and posting photos. I sometimes I don't I don't think I post enough, but uh, sometimes there's other stuff that's more enjoyable than sitting on Instagram. I know I waste way too much time on Instagram. <laughs> so, uh, so I try and, I try and get off it as much as I can, but I think these days that's, that's what you do when you're sitting there doing nothing. You get on Instagram or get on your phone and do that kind of crap. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It can be a time suck. That's for sure. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so what about, is there any other plans? Like is a six day in the works again this year? Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I haven't heard, and I haven't heard. So, uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm guessing I would be chosen to get on the team again. Yeah, or the, I would think so, but you never know. So, never know what those guys at MA want to want to do. So, <laughs> uh, but hopefully, I proved last year that my speed was fairly good, and uh, and if I have good results again this year, I feel like I should be. There should be a spot for me on the team. It just depends on whether, whether I, whether I can get over there with now with Kawasaki. I'm, I'm sure I could get a bike somehow. They could uh, organise a bike over there for me, which would be the easiest. Yeah. Uh, but at the moment, I haven't heard anything from anyone in Australia about it. So uh, that's that's not on the calendar yet. But I would like to do six days again. I really would like to come home and do some races eventually i know the four day i think it's coming up in it yeah i think it's in oh, oh, april yeah. this year pretty sure yeah. down in yeah. Batesman, batemans bay or something in it yeah mogo down there i think yeah yeah so i'd like to come back again one day and do the four day just now my schedule we just do a lot of races i think it's yeah 22 23 weekends we race over here so yeah <clears throat> we don't have much yeah don't have much time off and then um, I'd also like to come home and do Hatter one day before I get too slow. So, Yeah, nice. That'd be cool, I, man. See if I can keep up with Milner and Sanders. Yeah, in the sand. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's an awesome event. Have you ever, did you ever do it before you? No, came? no, I never got to. So I was supposed to actually yeah. do it a couple of years ago. Yeah. But they rescheduled a GNCC over the top of it. So yeah, right. get back, but um, maybe one day. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. It's a cool race. Yeah. That's for sure. You'd love it. Yeah, that's what, that's what I hear. I see some of the stuff that looks really fun. And then, then I, all I hear about is how fast it is. And I'm not, not super keen on going fast, but I know there's a lot of guys that go there that don't seem to have a problem with it. So uh, I think it'd be all right. Yeah, well, it's, it's different to think. Like the fast bits are just along the edge of a crop, so they're not super rough. Yeah. Like all the sandy stuff in the trees is just like sort of second, third, fourth gear. Yeah, see, that's the stuff I want to do. Yeah, yeah. But it's just linked up with fast straights, but the straights aren't yeah. crazy. Yeah. Like they're, they're fast, but they're not like, think whoops fast yeah. <laughs> so yeah you'd smash it man be awesome yeah it'd be fun so maybe well, one day yeah definitely put it on the list yeah <laughs> tell Tuffy to tell Tuffy to pull his finger out and help me get over <laughs> he'll sort something out for you he'll get, <laughs> his, get you an old CR500 to ride or something yeah yeah KX500 <laughs> <laughs> well man I really appreciate your time coming on and sharing that stuff with us yeah, no worries. It was fun. And look forward to seeing the year unfold for you. Get some good results. Yeah. Get, get back on that podium. Yeah. All right, man. Cool. Thank you. Awesome. Cheers, man. See you, mate. Thanks for listening to the Ben Greenwood High Performance Podcast. For more information on this podcast episode, please check out the show notes and to check out more of my content, shoot over to my website, www.100percentstrength.com. 100% strength to us means giving 100% effort to any challenge we face whether that's in life, whether that's in the gym, or whether that's out on the track. So you can check out some of our free content online. We've got a blog there. We've also got an email list you can subscribe to to stay up to date with events, tips and tricks on a weekly basis. And I'd really appreciate if you give us a follow on Facebook or Insta too. Until the next episode, give it 100%. Peace out.